Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A Waypoint and the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. We got it, we got it. Just play in the Dutch oven. <laughs> I wandered so aimless in a life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came out like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night Now I'm so happy No sorrow inside Praise the Lord I saw the light That's right Sing with me Just like a blind man I wandered along Worries and fears I claim for my own Then like a blind man That God gave back sight Praise the Lord I saw the light I saw the light I saw the light No more darkness No more night Now I'm so happy No sorrow inside <laughs> Excellent. Finally nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Josh Spillmaker on Josh the Josh Spillmaker on the Lodge Cast Iron Dutch Evan. <laughs> Welcome to the Bear Grease Render. 
great to have everyone here on the Bear Grease Render. We've got a a great lineup for you today. To my left, I have uh, Misty Newcomb. Hello. Who's accompanying me on the banjo. <laughs> to Misty's left, we have Brent Reeves. Brent, great to see you. You put too much salt in the gravy. Mm. I don't know if that's possible. I'm yeah, we just you. okay. We just made a big, huge, like twelve man <laughs> yeah. football you know, team skillet size. We we figured we could have fed twelve men an average helping of gravy, which is about a quart. Brent says too yeah. much salt. I wasn't going to say this, but last time Brent cooked me gravy, I didn't think it had enough salt. I have well, to say, I saw that video. Yeah, and I don't remember you putting salt in it in well, the video because he didn't. Ooh, Brent. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! It's, you basically made paper mache. <laughs> no, everybody puts the right amount of salt, their own salt, because mm. you can always put salt I'm 100% in. I'm one hundred percent with Brent on this, but you can't take it out. One hundred percent, because Clay Newcomb likes an enormous amount of salt, and for me, too. it's like a little bit too much. See, my so Alexis with, was here. Now, I'm okay, with Brent. S- too much salt. Like, if you eat too much salt, what are what are the symptoms of that? Like high br- blood high pressure? blood pressure. That, okay, so have, they say. I, Thirsty. I have, I have so incredible. Blood I have pressure, great. Say. I have great blood pressure. Clay also has had multiple nights in the last year where he couldn't sleep because he had. Consumed so much salt. Well, how do you? That is, you don't that know would that. Be a slight we need exaggeration. To hear more about this. Okay. Twice. Oh, I'll tell you. So, how many Twice times did I say I ate salt? Twice pork. this year. Twice. No, not this year. It hadn't even happened this year. Twice in the last three years, I've eaten salt pork. Where do you? Where does one procure salt pork? At the right <laughs> grocery store. <laughs> Pe- Petty Jean Meats. Thank right, you very right. okay. much. That's okay. Exactly. Salt right. pork is incredible stuff. It is incredible stuff. But man. It will send you through to, the roof. To the Better than ER. coffee, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know for real. I couldn't sleep. I, I told Brent. I called Brent after I ate salt pork one time, like and I said, "I said I woke up three times last night <laughs> and drank out of the bathroom faucet." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he literally did. You oh, know yeah. you're thirsty when you go in the bathroom. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, but don't I don't eat that much salt that often. So good. Brent Reeves, I I respect your gravy. Your gravy stuff. I'm and with now, Josh, so I like a little salt. I like my now, salt cooked so, into the... Okay. Alex, Alexis was here, and she doesn't put salt in anything. She's from Texas, and she's crazy. <laughs> but that's the way. It's just the way it is. And if, if mama don't want salt in there, daddy don't put it no, in No, that's not a Texas thing. That's uh, like a... That's an Alexis thing. That's like a girl from Tyler, Texas. It's never <laughs> put her foot in the grass before. <laughs> that's her. Yeah. That's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> Great lady. <laughs> a really great person. <laughs> she, she is. is. She Not is. much of a okay. tomato farmer or salt to, eater. No, to she, Brent's, she'll kill to, to Brent's left, Isaac Neal, assistant producer of Bear Grease. It's big. Wow. It's it's big. To the Yeah, we always introduce him like that. I mean, he is. Yeah, I mean, Me and Isaac work a, a lot together on Bear Grease every yeah. day. I've been, every day. I've been uh, sowing the seeds of getting a promotion by promoting you <laughs> how's that gonna work i want you to be bumped up to executive producer so then i can be the producer uh, oh that's a good idea rising tide floats all make ships up our own titles around here so we can do what we want <laughs> he needs to really yeah. apply himself yeah i'm i'm hoping in the next five years i can get promoted to producer i think you're yeah. there so our our really special guest this week though Ooh. to the left of isaac is my brother zach newcomb hey everybody wow. so nice zach, to be here yes yeah, z- y'all didn't know i had a brother did you until the last <laughs> podcast you have a brother well, zach, i have a brother I've actually got two is this po- your first time on the bear grease podcast 
Ed the Render. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yes. Because I think that you've got some bones to pick with Clay. Do I? I probably have many bones well, to pick. You're going to have to be more oh, specific. Oh, yeah. You got mad at me about something. You, about one of the, and you said. Oh, what, did you, I get mad at? Because Clay said he's the only one of the Newcomb brothers who made it through the Gary. <laughs> let me just, let me just pour some salt in the room. I remember this. Speaking of salt. Exactly. Let's <laughs> 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 have to talk after this. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the only actually, one here that doesn't know it. Actually, Clay has multiple talks after the podcast. You can have him first, Misty. I'll take him next. No, yeah, yeah. I said I was the only Newcomb boy who graduated from the Gary that, Newcomb School of Hunting Hard Knocks. And that wasn't the Bear Grease, though. That was the Well, and then I remember you podcast. said, Clay, you said that as if me and Tyler failed. And, and, and you said me and Tyler never were in the school. We never wanted to enroll. That's yeah, what he yeah, said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I, I have some memory. But Zach was a feature guest on this last Wetzel Deathwind podcast. So what's Zach, it like What's it like to be a featured guest on the Bear Grease podcast? You know, I've always wondered. Josh wouldn't know. Josh still <laughs> Just something, Josh, it. one of these days, maybe. One of these days. Yeah, so, know. Zach, what are, your, what are your credentials inside the mental health field? So, I'm a clinical social worker. I've been, and I, right now I'm in private practice. So, I have my own office in Northwest Arkansas uh, where I, uh, you know, do individual therapy, see people with trauma and depression, anxiety, see, see multiple ages. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been doing that since um 20 years probably 20 years. well not not in private practice i was a clinical director for a bit i've worked at some group homes and then yeah yeah in private practice D- done a lot of in-home work with families have you done ever a lot diagnosed with the department a of human frontiersman services. from the middle ground <laughs> a frontiersman from the middle ground yeah what they call the middle ground i have not okay Good. that wait, was wait. a trick question i've got i've got a oh yeah yeah because you can't diagnose someone who's not in person i have a more <laughs> pressing question okay what if a frontiersman from the middle ground walked into his office today. What would they be diagnosed with? I mean, well, I mean, he, it would knows? be fair game. Yeah, it'd be fair game. No, no, it's I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they time traveled. I'm just saying some like, dude shows up I'm wearing buckskins, scalps on his belt. I mean, what do you start talking I'm, to I'm that guy about? I'm gonna first look at the condition of the skin, thinking maybe zombie. At okay. First, yeah. Right. I want to rule that skin. out. Uh, and then from there, it's it's on. I don't know. We're yeah. gonna do lots of scans and tests. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're we're gonna come back to you, Zach. So to to Zach's left to, f- to finalize introductions. Josh Landsbridge, spillmaker. Great to see you, Josh. Fly fisherman, deck builder. You yeah, name Josh it. Josh has been helping me build a deck. It's true. Hey, so all this, uh, all the I've been doing a fair bit of construction as of late, um, building a deck, and we're getting ready for a few things. And uh, I told a story earlier today to Brent and Isaac that I had not remembered in a long time. It had almost been erased from my memory. When I first started a landscape company circa 2005, something like that, I had a a 16-foot trailer. I had a truck, like a three-quarter ton short cab Chevrolet truck, and I had a Kubota tractor, small Kubota tractor. Well, the, the area I was working in, Fayetteville, Arkansas area, is really hilly. And there's a lot of people building on these pretty steep slopes and different things. Well, this is something that you learn when you're around heavy equipment. You learn it real quick. But I had never worked with anybody else, so no one had taught me this, which I proceeded to teach everyone after me this. So I backed my trailer down their driveway because you got when you got down there, it was like real tight and you couldn't turn around. There was this little section of concrete and it was like gravel and then concrete. And I'd backed my trailer down in there to unload all the stuff and whatnot. Well, it came time to leave, finish the job, and I'm pulling the tractor into the trailer. And my truck is on the gravel. My trailer is on the concrete. And my truck is like pointed uphill pretty severely. 12 feet behind 
the tailgate of my trailer is a very steep drop off that just goes down the mountain trees and it was kind of like built up red dirt where they built a concrete pad and then it just dove off down the mountain well i i go down there and square up the tractor to the tailgate of the trailer and start driving onto the trailer well i didn't have any little legs on the back of my trailer so when the weight of the tractor was on the back of the trailer the hitch of the trailer lifts and pulls the weight you know the the the, the ball is attached to the truck so it lifts the back tires of the truck essentially off the ground almost and i'm like halfway on the trailer as soon as my wheels get onto the tailgate the truck and trailer just starts coming back just just sliding down the hill the gravel's popping in the truck trailer tractor and me are all gaining speed going oh down gosh. the hill and bobsled to the er <laughs> uh, i i was petrified i was by myself there i jumped off the trailer onto the ground the trailer and truck are still sliding i run and jump into the moving truck and jam the brakes which doesn't do any good because all the weight's still like there's no weight on the back of the truck the weight of the tractor's pulling me down. And finally, after just cramming on the brakes, it skids. And, and basically, the trailer gets hung up, hanging out over the edge. And my tractor oh my is gosh. like dangling over, like this big drop off. And I can't move. Like I, I start, you know, I put it in park. And then I start to take my foot off the brake. And it starts going again. And so I had a cell phone. I was in cell range. And so I call a wrecker. And I say, man... If I get out of my truck or take my foot off the brake, I'm going over a ledge. How quick can you get here? And and they were like, well, we can be there in probably about 30 minutes. <laughs> Don't get in a hurry. I know. They're always so like calm and cool. And I was like, well, I'll be right here. I won't be going anywhere. And I sat in my truck until the wrecker came, and I stuck my head out the window and was like, I ain't getting out of this truck. I'm not taking my foot off this brake. Just hook me up and get me out of here. And so he did. He, he was able to. Well, how long did it take him? You know, I really don't even remember. It was it was a non-dramatic rescue once he got there. <laughs> he, he just was pretty quickly able to hook on and Those just pull me out. Those are the best kind of out. rescues. <laughs> so, all that to say. <laughs> all that just, to say what? Yeah, what's the point <laughs> yeah, of the story? <laughs> that's that's, where, that's what Merrick Curiosity is going to The point of yeah, the story was that if Wetzel would have been this there. This was just an exciting <laughs> story that came up in my memory bank today <laughs> with Brent and Isaac. Isaac. It was totally relevant, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm right what there a yes, with you. man. He, what hey, a yes, okay. man. He just wants, moving, a, he just wants right a promotion. Along. I do have something I want to show you guys. You may have seen this on, on Instagram. Isaac and I were traveling through, where were we, Isaac? We were in Illinois. We were in Illinois, and we walk into a Native American gift shop. And it was no ordinary Native American gift shop. It was a, I mean, huge log cabin building. Very nice. It's a land Multiple of wonder. stories. Yeah. I mean, like incredible diversity of products, yeah, authentic stuff, buffalo hides, animal hides, stone points, shirts, art, six dollar sunglasses. I bought a, so bought a nice pair of six dollar so sunglasses, many. and then I bought I saw this on the back wall, and if that is not a black panther, I mean, I would say real black panthers probably their heads aren't this big. I wish they were. And note that I said real black panthers. Um, there is such a thing. They might be, but that is a. I mean, that's that's. How art. much you give for that bad boy? It, probably more than it was worth. But <laughs> I didn't care. I told Isaac. I said I don't care what it costs. I'm Thanks, mate. Either steal it twice the price. Thanks, mate. I haven't card. figured out where to put it yet, though. <laughs> I'm curious to know what made it a Native American gift shop. I, yeah, there uh, that a lot. is how they build themselves. 
There were well, I mean, there were billboards. That I mean, that's what, so. I, yes. that's what it was yeah. called. I mean, like Native American gift shop, next exit, turn yeah. right. Okay. And, I and they also did like, wholesale. Yeah. We were, we were, I did like a bat turn on the interstate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it was well, it was the worth lady it. was exceptionally nice. Oh, and incredible. when I walked yeah. up there with this, I figured she would be like, "Who are you? Yeah. Like, finally well, who would buy thing. this?" And she acted like they sell these like every other person that walks in there. <laughs> yeah. She's got three in her home. Nah. I mean, it's a nice no, looking. No, I don't know. That was the vibe she was just like, yeah. That is a beautiful cat. Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah, what she was that, just like, oh, that needs to be on so the front nice. of the Did she for yeah. real say oh, that? She was excited that we bought this, and she 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 wanted she, to sell me another one. I'm sure have she you, was excited. Have you considered been there for like ten years? She's like, it's a miracle, man. They probably have a bet going back in the break room. I'm just I'm just kind of going through a little checklist. Okay, I had I don't make it a point to to read too many of the iTunes reviews. Okay. okay. <laughs> I do, because there's some I really good I did have a, a gentleman who brought into question me saying uh-huh. that the Washita Mountains <laughs> were the only mountains between the Appalachians and the Rockies that run east and west. And he, I mean, I, I hope this guy's listening, and I hope he doesn't think I'm being rude to him, but he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder when he was like, Clay, you might want to do some fact checking. <laughs> He's a little sassy. He was a little sassy. There, there was sass. There was some sass in there it. There was sass. And I don't I don't wanna make this a thing where because I'm the guy with the microphone, sure. I make the guy without the microphone look stupid. Right. But that's gonna be hard to do what? here. He's he's just wrong. Uh <laughs> That, there's he, so he, many more diplomatic ways me. to do that. He, he, cha- he challenged me on on this thing. The, the yeah. moral and of the story is: don't challenge the man with the, the guy with the microphone. Well, well, I, I mean, reviews. that's a general yeah, yeah. rule no, I of life. Pre- I, I appreciated his his desire for engagement. His he's clearly so. he's clearly invested in the bear the grease premise universe of what was said. <laughs> Metaverse, that, that, because the Oz- he, he he said that the Ozarks ran east and west too, which. Granted, there are ridges and mountains in the Ozarks that done that do run east and west, but that does not make them a mountain range that runs east and west. The yep. Ozarks are completely jumbled. The Ozarks were formed by erosion, so there was a plateau. I, I mean, I go through this like this podcast ought to be called "How the Orogeny of the Ozark and Washita Mountains" because I go through it about every other podcast. Also, there was, at our when the table. South American continent <laughs> bumped into the North American continent, there was a bulge. The Ozark Plateau bulged. And th- that was in the north. It bulged, and and that ero- that plateau eroded randomly. And so there's ridges that run east and west, north and south, southwest, northwest, any any direction you want. Say yep. it with me, Josh. The soapbox much? <laughs> okay. And and the Washitas were formed. They were closer to the impact, and they actually buckled. And the Washita Mountains look like the furrows of a plowman's field. That long east-west ridge. What's the elevation that requires that? That means it's a mountain. Oh, it, it, there. I do not believe there is an actual elevation that makes something a mountain. I'm gonna just. I, I think that. Check. Yeah. Fact yeah check. What, aren't you an environmental soil science major? So, I mean, don't it, feed that. Shouldn't animal. you be able to tell us this? <laughs> no, I, I don't think there's anything that makes Am them I a the mountain. With, Are you kidding? But, 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 hey, hey, maybe, but, maybe I could be wrong. What what brought this up is we were looking at a hydrological map of Arkansas earlier today, and it's just so clear that the Watchdaws run east and west. It's just like somebody got bored and drew lines across the map there. Yeah. That is not what the Ozarks looks like. Yeah. As a proud Ozarker, born yeah. and bred. 
Yeah, yeah. Love yeah. the Ozarks. Not a yeah. So I, I don't want to make a big deal about it. Misty okay. has something. <laughs> Most geologists classify a mountain as a landform that rises at least one thousand feet, aka three hundred meters, or above its surrounding areas. Oh, there you go. There you go. So you know the the highest peaks in Arkansas are about three thousand feet. Okay. The Appalachians are much bigger. Did you know that the the highest peak in the east of the Mississippi is in southern Appalachia somewhere, and I think it's just under 7,000 feet. That's a high mountain. Mm, yeah, that is. I believe it's, I don't want to say, I'll get more emails. You know, I was I was and pretty. you'll be wrong that time. I would be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> There's a mountain. I, I think it's called Mount Mitchell. It was pretty cool. You know, we were in, we were in Maui sure a couple wrong. weeks ago. Check, check what's the biggest mountain in the Appalachian mountain range. We were in Maui a couple weeks ago, and you're, it's weird to sit on the beach, and then we went up to. Haleakala, if I'm saying that right, well, national park. Spanish. Yeah, and it's ten thousand twenty-five feet. Wow! You go 10, from the beach wait, wait. to ten thousand twenty-five feet. Hey, here's another thing to fact check. I think that might be the tallest mountain in the world from its base. Oh, really? Which is interesting. The far below the, the ocean, ocean. Yeah. As opposed to Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain from sea level. Oh, mm. gotcha. That would make okay. sense. I mean, it's it's Incredible. it's impressive. What's the biggest mountain in the Appalachians? Mount Mitchell. Score. <laughs> Are you saying tallest mountain from base in North America? No. Just ever? in the world. I'm putting it out there. All Good right. job. Just be bold. Yeah, absolutely. Say the name, Josh. Haleakala. Mauna Kea. Okay, that's sure that's I, that is that right? is in Hawaii. Mauna that's Kea? a different volcano. I, I knew it was a Hawaiian mountain because I went the first time I read that I thought no. <laughs> and deep and thoughts. It was just like. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Turns out I was wrong. Isaac has a toddler, y'all. So, <laughs> so um, Isaac is a toddler. This pod, this podcast, Lewis Wetzel, the Death Wind. What did you think of it? General, general thoughts. He's a mean rascal. Yeah, he was mean. He didn't strike me as the most psychologically healthy person. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I, I hate to oversimplify this, but I was listening to it again on the way up here, and there was a lot in there. The guy that y'all talked to up in Ohio or Illinois. Yeah, Chip. Chip. Yeah. And he was talking about how people thought, how Native Americans thought of Europeans and how the Europeans thought of the Native Americans as not being worthy, not being humans, you know. They each had that opinion. And the only thing I can relate that to is growing up, my grandmother had a pecan tree in the backyard. And I got a nickel for every blue jay that I could shoot out of that pecan tree. If I shot a red bird, she would have beat me to half to death. But blue jays were fair game because they knocked the pecans out of the tree before they got ripe, and they they would ruin. Mm-hmm. To this day, I sit in my backyard, and I got bird feeders out there, and, and we sit out on the patio in the evenings when it's not so hot, and we watch the birds. And I love seeing red birds up there, but to this day, a blue jay flies up in my backyard, and I think, if I had a BB gun right now, somebody would owe me a nickel. <laughs> it was just ingrained in me from a small child yeah, that yeah. blue jays were bad. Yeah. But and there's really nothing that's going to change that. No, they're beautiful. But my first thought when I see oh, so, him is, he's got to die. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Man. I think. You know, I don't follow it's through getting, with it. It's getting dark quick. Pretty dark. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. you, see, you see the correlation. Yeah, yeah, I do. That's a great it, correlation. That was the only thing. Because it, it's, not, it's not really fair. It's no. like, why is that bird... Any different than that bird. Exactly. I'd, I'd like to point out, and we talked a little bit about this uh, on the phone the other day, but this idea that like 
there was some cognitive dissonance in people. Like, I think that they were aware that they were making up excuses to dehumanize these people to justify their actions. A couple examples are there were missionaries to the Native Americans at that point in time. Like, if they're not people, then why are we trying to evangelize to them? And secondly, if there is a context in which killing a Native American is wrong, i.e. the time that he got tried for murder, then you're kind of aware of the humanity of these people anyway. Yeah. And so I think that's part of what makes this story stand out and carry through to be like, man, even in a time when people were like doing something that on one level they knew was wrong. I mean, really effectively what was happening was like, I know it's wrong to kill other human beings, but I really want this land and they're standing in the way that like full stop. But like a lot of people did a lot of justifying in the middle of it, which is not to assuage all the actions that, uh, Native Americans took in retaliation, but it is to say that like they were aware of the humanity. It was just something that they had convinced themselves of in a certain context. This is okay. This is appropriate. Fear-based. You went too far. Yeah, and yeah. and it, that what happened here in North America was has not been uncommon to planet Earth at all. Oh no, I mean it, it's still happening to this day in 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 some places, and it's uh. Yeah, it, it's the problem of of humanity. It it I I I could just imagine the justification that was given for, you know, and I think people had to have turned a blind eye to what he was doing. Just you know, that's just him because there were people who were not that way. For instance, Daniel Boone. You mentioned Daniel Boone, yeah. who had a completely different standard in the way that he interacted with people. But man, there there's there's people out there. Uh, I mean. You run into it, and Zach probably sees it as much as anybody. But just that there's a there's a a thing inside of them that drives them to it's almost a it's almost an insanity of to do this thing no matter what the cost. And he just had this mindset to. Well, this I don't even know if it was like it's not that he wanted to murder; he wanted to eradicate Indians. You know, see whatever the cost. Wetzel, Wetzel, he defined the perimeter of what was acceptable to to white culture during that time. I mean, this American culture during that time, because some people thought he was over the line, other people didn't. And in an hour long podcast, I really didn't have time to even tell the whole story. He he became an a, a somewhat of an anti-government hero to the people on the frontier who were having trouble with Native Americans, and the government would come in and try to stop them and wouldn't be able to, and they would be like, "Well, if Lewis Wetzel was here, he could stop them," and and he was actually more efficient as a guerrilla warfare guy than even the government, and so. He he! All of a sudden, is brought to this position of of even more esteem inside these communities, you know. Um, and I can't get past. And again, this is not. I said it on the podcast, and this is not a justification. Like I said, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to justify. I'm just trying to make sense of how stuff like this could happen. And man, if you lived on the frontier. The, these Indian hunters, these Indian scouts, would be people that the vast majority of culture deeply respected. And I want to say something else too: is that there's this idea that that you know white Europeans came and took the land from these Native Americans, 
there were generations when 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 Europeans first got here, where literally they left their home in Europe, came here, and then would have tried to take land from Native Americans to live. And and there, you know, there was a time when Native Americans were saying, "Yeah, come on over here." But then there are people that are born here very quickly, and they wake up and they're like, "Well, we got to have a place to live," and so they start trying to acquire lands and whatnot. And very quickly, you get people who are born here, who are native people to this continent. Now, their their parents weren't, their grandparents weren't. And it kind of takes, to me, it, it's it's different than just like somebody coming and trying to take someone's land. And even the, the Native American chiefs told Tecumseh that when Tecumseh went to, Tecumseh tried to build this pan-Indian federation, basically Tecumseh went to all the tribes and tried to say, hey, we can push all the white people back to Europe. That's the simple version of Tecumseh's life. And many of the Native American leaders said, where are they going to go? They, it's like, this is, these aren't the people that came here. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. A little bit? I get yeah. what you're saying. I think this gets at uh, – Another thing that we talked at about on the phone, and this is like a regret that I have about this episode, is until listening to it, I didn't even think. we You you had tasked me with finding somebody to interview on this. And when I was listening to it, I was like, there is not a native voice present in this. And this is a story that is wholly dependent on a native voice. Not wholly yeah. dependent. Yeah, yeah. Half of the story is about him killing Native Americans, right? And so, like, I would just love to hear the other perspective on that. Because for me very easy to empathize with what you just said. And and then I go like, what's the other side of the story, right? Because there is in a conflict two sides of the story and the victor often gets to write the history. Yeah, and that's true. And beyond that, I think that uh, we, we are guilty of like a little bit of uh, essentialization in terms of humanity when we're trying to tell stories. And so it's like, there was so much going on where no one is a monolith. There were people who were pretty comfortable with this. And then there was other dynamics going on, like the idea where uh, Eastern tribes had already been pushed West. And so it's not like all Native American tribes were hunky-dory and pushing towards one goal. Like they were fighting for resources and space within that and fighting with this thing that was external, white uh, colonizers. And I don't know, it's just like, I don't know that there is an answer. I don't know yeah. if, there, if you can sum well, it up. And, and there's no possible way that Native Americans didn't. I mean, it was essentially genocide. I mean, like all yep. the terrible descriptors that we know. Which, and I guess my point in, in, in seeing the way people handled guys like Wetzel is that it was a little bit more like a frog in boiling water. Mm. Like the, the, this thing took place over the course of really 500 years. Yeah. Uh, from the time the first white Europeans went inland into the into what's now the United States and spread smallpox and 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 you know as much as eighty ninety percent of Native Americans died from disease to all the time all the way up to Wetzel, which is pretty late history. I mean, like eighteen Wetzel died in eighteen oh eight. Honestly, that's like not closer that long to us ago. than boots on the ground for the first time for white European yeah, settlers. Exactly. So it was just this long period, and 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 it, and it was a war. Like Zach said, like Renella said, this was a war zone. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the podcast, Clay. Good job. 
Uh, right on. Uh, you know right. what? I, I had never heard Wetzel's story before, obviously. I had, you and I had some conversations before. So, yeah, you actually never – you didn't listen to the podcast yeah. before. You no. just heard me tell you stuff. Yeah, you and I talked for 10 minutes you know, before that podcast, and you shot me that song. <laughs> yeah, listen to the very ballad of Lewis Wetzel. Yeah, very informative ballad of Lewis <laughs> for, Wetzel. For making a, uh, a diagnosis. Can, yeah. can you determine whether or not he's a psychopath based by this on, ballad? Based on this ballad. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that, I mean, I agree with what Isaac said in that, I mean, there's not really a good answer there, right? I mean, this was an awful situation. And yeah. to me, what I see is that, like, when I, when, when I look at this, it's like, I mean, you throw, it's almost like, like cooking a good stew, Misty, right? You know, you throw Thank a bunch you. of ingredients in, and no this is salt. what you get, right? I mean, so, I mean, if you've got this war zone happening, you've got, you know, probably, I mean, a lot of unethical stuff happening across the board, right? You've got these people on the border. You've got this one guy with this crazy trauma. And, and when you throw humans into certain environments, and they've got certain genetic tendencies, things pop up, right? And... Wetzel is one of those dynamics that pops up. Uh, and you could probably find, I mean, you mentioned too, you can go back all across history. You can go to Nazi Germany. You can go to genocides and all over the place. There's stuff happening now that you could find. My guess is you could find a very similar story to Wetzel's for that context, right? Yeah. You can find somebody who, you know, extreme trauma, uh, really laid against a certain population or people or, or, or people group, right? Yeah. Uh, and if they've got certain tendencies, uh, then that's what it's going to create, right? And so, uh, you know, it's a sad story. I totally yeah. agree. I mean, I had the same thought Isaac did about it would have been interesting to have a Native American voice in there. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I mean, especially if you could have found somebody who knew Wetzel's story. Yeah. Right. And, it, and honestly, we had a hard time finding anybody that knew the story. Anybody yeah. that because Wetzel was such a a periphery character. Like yeah. he didn't he wasn't a boon that really influenced American identity. Yeah. He wasn't a Davy Crockett. He wasn't a war hero. He was just I mean, he was known literally just for what we told about, like killing Indians. So he's yeah. not there's not many people that we couldn't find an academic expert that said Hey. Raise my hand. I am the expert on on, the, on this guy. On this guy. Yeah. It was just all these little hodgepodge stories from different people. And then yeah. we found Chip. Chip Gross. Chip's yeah. our guy. What a guy. Incredible. Yeah. So those are my general I mean I mean, it was an awful story. I I mean I, I didn't know even here when we spoke, I didn't know he had a brother. And so that uh well I guess I knew because he got, but I didn't know his brother had the aggressive tendencies all his as well. Bro- all his brothers were heavily involved in yeah. just pretty yeah. rough stuff with Native Americans. And so it's just a rough story, and it just shows, I mean, what people can become in the right environment, right? And in the right, I mean, you know, there's the a little bit of genetics involved, yeah. and there's, uh, yeah, the wrong environment. But, you know, the it, how the environment shape us and form us and, and, uh, and change us and... And, and I'm not saying that, I mean, even in, in the podcast, I think one of the guys that was interviewed, like, I'm, it's not an excuse necessarily, right? Sure. I mean, like, Wetzel no. had choices. Right. Uh, yeah. He had he choices. Had he mm-hmm. could have, he could have done, he could have been different. Uh, but, yeah, it's, a, it's an awful story. I mean, it's one that you go back and, I mean, I think you mentioned in the podcast too, where's the redemption in this? Uh, and it's, t- it's, it's a little bit tough to find other than... It makes me thankful for where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it makes me thankful for the context and where I'm at and uh, 
and the culture that we live in. Because even now in 2022, there are places mm -hmm. that are more similar to that environment that Wetzel was in than the environment that we live in. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, those are my musings on it. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work. Try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months. Wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription. And you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit. All right, It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health 
slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. What'd you think, Misty? Well, um, I think the part where <laughs> you said that it would have been hard for women not to pay attention to a man <laughs> when he walks down to his knees. Dude, like I, I was just speculating. <laughs> I'm driving down the car listening to it alone in the car, and I'm listening, and you say that, and I say out loud in the car, that's my husband. I <laughs> 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 just said that. <laughs> I laughed out loud. Well, I, I was so just, it would, it would would have been very striking to see a dude with <laughs> well, black hair down to his That's all through the ankle. literature. It's all through the literature. I'm just the messenger, man. All through the literature, Making it said that the, that he was he never gave any attention to the ladies, but the ladies gave him attention. <laughs> oh, and they did say that. Yeah, dude was running through the woods on a killer spree, looking like Crystal Gale. <laughs> <laughs> Think he ever tripped over it? <laughs> He's oh, too fast. I, I mean, he had to have it contained he somehow. Had to do For him to do what he did, well, he, he yeah. had to have it contained. What does plated mean? Plated hair? Plated. Uh, it's plated. braided. braided. That means that's a braid. Okay, well, he wore it braided all the time. Ah. Clay, you didn't ah. mention in the podcast that in our conversation, I thought was real interesting, was that he was he was very isolated, right? Like, I mean, you said yeah. that he wasn't interested in the ladies. Yeah. He, he, like that you don't to think me, I hit on that enough? I mean, I, I don't remember you talking about it at all. Maybe you did, and I missed it. That yeah. was yeah. one of the I didn't pick was up it? on that. Just, okay. Yeah, but you're right. I didn't say it I mean, because to me... That was like so. If he walk, if Wetzel walks into my office, that's one of one of the things that I think I, I don't think I, I don't think that made it to the podcast where I where I kind of laid out some of the things I would necessarily look for. But that would have been right. one that's kind of interesting. To does, me. It, does he have the capacity to build relationships? Yeah, yeah. Well, like what's yeah. going on there? I mean, yeah. that could be a result of the PTSD that he suffered from, or yeah. it could be other things. I mean, the fact that he was so obsessed that he took that vow so seriously to me is another thing I would want to. So if he comes into my office. I'm going to look at his, how he isolates and his, how, how he has relationships. I'm going to look at that obsession that he had. I'm going to look at the trauma. I'm going to look at the context. Yeah. Um, Not just there was that one he took it things. so seriously, but like also the idea of a 13 year old boy making a vow, like based on that yeah. experience, not saying it would be fun to be kidnapped by Indians, Yeah. but there was a lot of people who had that experience and that didn't, didn't ignite that. Yeah. 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 It would have been yeah. interesting to be inside of their home to see how their dad, John Wetzel, just kind of who he was because all those boys just had no conscience. Yeah. And uh, so he, he must have been somehow been. Yeah. Yeah. Playing. I mean, he I, clearly. I definitely don't think that John Wetzel was father of the year. <laughs> yeah. No. I think we can, we can. I mean, we may be slow to diagnose, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Hey, okay. There was we an interesting that. fact that, so John Wetzel dies when Lewis Wetzel is 26. His dad presumably was, you know, in his forties or fifties when he died. So Wetzel's mother remarries a guy in town. So she moves back when, into town. When Wetzel, when who's forty six? The dad well, is forty six. I mean, Lewis Wetzel, the man we're talking about, uh -huh. was like in his early twenties when his father was killed. Okay. So his okay. mother became a widow. Okay. And his the widow remarried a city slicker. Yeah, and Lewis Wetzel never liked the guy. Never forgave his mom. For Didn't kill him though. No. Huh. Now there was, there was, there's just so many stories that are so hard to tell. Once Lewis Wetzel um, witnessed a okay, 
Let me back up. Lewis Wetzel only one time was noted to have killed a Native American woman. And the and the way that this happened was is that they did a raid. They were attacked by Native Americans, bushwhacked. And I almost want to think it was when John Wetzel and George Wetzel got killed, his brother and father. Well, the other brothers go and chase down the Indians that did this and engage with them and kill the men, and they had a woman with them. And they just were like, go on your way. Like They, they didn't kill women. And this woman followed Wetzel and tried to basically, she wanted to be his wife. And she followed him around, and like he just kept like shooing her off, and this went on for like days. Just what, this this like woman in town, or this woman that the, was related to this this other? woman in the wilderness that Wetzel had just killed her people. Gotcha. And that would have been a thing yeah. inside of that would be that like a culture. cultural, yeah, like oh, like like gotcha, like I see what take you're me, like if my like people you. are dead, take me, yeah. Gotcha. And and he ended up killing that girl, really. Yeah, just because she wouldn't leave him she alone. She wouldn't leave him alone. Wild stuff. Yeah. Another time, Wetzel witnessed a, uh, he, he was walking through the woods around an Indian camp, and he found an Indian baby laying on the ground. Like, uh, okay, baby. I mean, a living baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm only telling these stories just to, it's like, we, Clay Newcomb, cannot fathom the brutality of that period and the things that he would have seen. And he... As the story went, basically, he, like, picks up this Indian baby, and he wasn't going to kill it. Like, he wasn't interested in killing a baby. And a squaw comes running out and says, ah, it's my baby. That's my baby. And so he gives the baby to the woman, and the woman proceeds to kill the baby in front of him. And then another squaw comes running out saying, ah, that was my baby. And this other squaw killed this other lady's baby. I mean, just brutality, nonstop brutality. Where do these stories come from? Man, there's a lot of, lot. okay, they did not have video cameras, podcasts, what? photographs. Yeah. Where's the YouTube channel? But they did have a lot it's of people. It's not a YouTube channel, I'd watch. They had a lot of people <laughs> yeah, that were interested in documenting stuff. Like, for instance, a fair number of the stories that we have about Lewis Wetzel came from a man named Lyman Draper who is probably the most reliable source of the frontiersmen during that time period. Lyman Draper was like, uh, you know, Geraldo Rivera. Of Mr. The time, Draper. You know? um, well. I don't know. And, uh, yeah. But Lyman Draper, if Lyman Draper said it, it, it's not, it doesn't mean necessarily that it's true, but it means that he recorded it true to what was told him. Right. And, and and I'm not saying Draper recorded that specific instance, but some of the stuff... A lot stuff of the stuff is recorded by him. Draper recorded, but just... And, and some of it probably is just a lie. There was another part of the podcast that I could not tell. I mean, really, the podcast could have been two hours long. Well, did I tell the story about the thunderstorm dream? That, uh, that does okay. not sound familiar. Now, see, this is a story that you totally have to take with a grain of salt because, I mean, who knows if it happened? Lewis Wetzel's the only one. Who knows if someone made it up and told it about him? But the story's so specific, it's hard to fathom someone just making it up because it was just, I'll tell you the story. 
Lewis Wetzel was being pursued by Native Americans. He had done something to them, and they were after him. I Probably guess, killed I guess some what, of them. Yeah, yeah. I guess what it is. So it was Tuesday. Well, it got dark, and a big thunderstorm came, and he knew where there was an old abandoned cabin. And so he's like, well, I'll go stay in that abandoned cabin tonight. So he goes in the cabin, and rather than just sleeping on the floor, he t- and this is where a backwoodsman just – earns his salt is he said, I'm not going to sleep down here in the floor. I'm going to sleep up in the rafters just in case somebody comes in. And so he's he asleep. He needs the salt to put in the grave. He's, a, he's exactly. asleep yeah. in the rafters yeah. and it starts thundering. And a couple hours after dark, he hears the door creak open and here comes three or four native Americans that are tracking him. And they had the same idea as him. It's thundering, storming, We'll go stay in that old cabin. And so Lewis Wetzel's hanging in the rafters. It's like and, a horror movie. And they come in and they start a fire and they start talking. And he can speak Delaware and Shawnee in multiple languages. And, and he so really- he knew what they were saying. And he tells the story that one of them said, I had a dream last night. And he said, this Native American said that he dreamed of white cheeked squaws with rosy red cheeks like buffalo blood and eyes as black as coal and like it it, it just it was just such a random like you can you can envision a guy sitting around the fire just saying man i had a dream about you know (laughs) what in his culture was beauty and this and and you know longing to be home probably and uh it was just so specific. And then they spend the whole night there. And then the next morning they leave. And then Wetzel goes out and ends up killing one of them. He didn't kill him then. That's he, what I was expecting. Well, he, he he was outnumbered inside of a cabin. And he just, I guess, knew he, he couldn't. I bet that dude didn't sleep a wink. Yeah, no kidding. But do you see what I'm saying? Like that story, there's only one place that could have come from. No one else was there with him. Wetzel yeah, told right. that story to someone and yeah. how many times it came around. All I know is that I read that story one time and I will always remember white faced squalls. That's what he said. That's what white faced squalls with cheeks as rosy red as Buffalo blood. And, and, Eyes. and they may not have said cold doggone it. Now that I'm saying it, I'm, I'm beginning to question myself. Luckily for me, I have the book right here. I don't think many people are going to fact check you on this. Yeah, I'm mean, true story. About how could we? You're yeah, you're I mean, one of a dozen people who have purchased that book in the last fifty years. Yeah, there is so little information <laughs> about Lewis Wetzel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, oh yeah. yeah. That's why Steve wanted you to look it up. That's right. Because he's like, I'm not pouring through. It. Yeah. Oh, uh, while you looked that up, I thought an interesting uh, perspective was Steve talking about how sort of the game of telephone of telling stories. Yeah. And I thought specifically of the Turkey stories, how like I can conceive of a few guys sitting around talking about like, Oh, here's the story of Lewis Wetzel. And then another guy goes, Oh, that reminds me of another crazy Indian killing Turkey story. Mm -hmm. And then a third guy sitting there goes, all right, two stories for Lewis Wetzel, you know, and goes, you know, it's just very easy for that to transmute. I don't know how that goes. How he left turkey tracks and didn't leave his own tracks. Uh, I had well, the same patches thought. of snow. Had the yeah, same yeah. Thought. I, I didn't describe. I 
it was it was I said snow bank. Yeah. But it was it was pat a patch of snow. Okay. Like so he'd spring. just walk around it and well, now, I've mean, done that to my brother before turkey season. Good I'd thing you a, didn't get killed. A turkey from the year before. In the mud. We don't have snow. I did, did I say snow? I didn't mean you snow. You said, okay. And in the dirt, I was like, man, I, I, there was like one turkey goblin, and I didn't want him where I was at. So I went to where he was at, where he wasn't hearing one, and I made some gobbler tracks <laughs> in the road. I knew he'd find them. And he's like, man, this turkey will not gobble. I'm like, man, just hang in there. He's in there. <laughs> He's in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, let me read you. Let me read you a little bit of something that that also relates to us not knowing about Wetzel. And here's a key reason we don't know about Wetzel: the long-haired husky scout played on, sensing no danger. He's 26 at the time, of athletic build, especially muscular in arms and shoulders. His carefully braided hair knotted around his shoulders when combed out would reach nearly to the calves of his legs. He was on the tall order: small head, black eyes, piercing in the extreme. A long, spare face, high cheekbones, a swarthy complexion, occasioned in a great measure by his exposure to the sun, and very much pitted by smallpox. So he had kind of like acne looking, you know, kind of like. Um, and his ears bored, and he wore silk tassels them in, in them at times and some other ornaments. So he had big pierced ears, too, which I, I just I didn't say. Very that attractive. Says <laughs> <laughs> so the guy with gauges in his ear. It'd be hard to look away. Yeah. Uh, active on his feet. His legs were well proportioned. Feet on the small order. A penetrating mound, mind, sound judgment in regard to Indian counters. And a plan once laid, nothing could deter him from putting it into execution. Smart and active in all his movements, and noted marksman. He could shoot and aim well, a strong constitution, and is blessed with remarkably good health. No education, not capable of keeping his own journey, which is a great pity. He could not even write his name. Hmm. So he couldn't. He couldn't even write his name. We know a lot about Boone. We know a lot about these guys because a lot of them wrote letters to their families. Yeah. They they wrote about Gerstager. what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gerstager went and wrote a book. All these guys wrote. Da- you know, Davy Crockett wrote his own autobiography. You know, um, in the in not too long after this guy. So this guy just had literally had zero education. Yeah, he sounds like a Marvel character. <laughs> it's interesting to me how they. I think back before you had pictures and videos. People paid a lot of attention to stuff. Yeah, high yeah. cheekbones, they, they, they all, con- yeah, complexion. I mean, Small I can just feet. imagine like yeah. well people talking legs. about Brent like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, what would you? What would we say about Brent? Let's go <laughs> just around the room. Overalls, <laughs> overalls. Well proportioned legs, small feet. <laughs> uh, do we actually have to do it, <laughs> <laughs> dude? One of the things in that description though that stuck out to me is. Uh, in this idea of like, it's difficult when you try and essentialize situations, but that is a human predilection to essentialize things. And I think that's why characters like this stick around is because he's very easy to essentialize. Like he has the singleness of purpose, which is I will kill all Indians. And galvanizing per- personalities oftentimes have that like singleness of Whatever it is, mm-hmm. like I can just this is it, this is it. Let me, t- you know, like Tecumseh in a good way uh, was Pan Indian unification, Pan Indian unification, and so it's like very easy to tell those stories. It happens to be in Lewis Wetzel's case that it's a pretty abhorrent trait, but yeah, it's 
interesting when I look at people who have that singleness of purpose. It's really interesting to me because I don't possess mm-hmm. that at all. So luckily for you guys, I found the quote oh, about good. the thunderstorm dream. I, I love dreams, man. This is what he said. This is what Wetzel said that he said. I had a dream last night, ventured one of the Indians. I dreamed I was in the happy hunting ground, and my lodge filled with white-faced squalls, each with coal-black eyes and cheeks as red as bison's blood. Good, grunted the other. I, too, dreamed that a snake stung me on the heel, and it turned to a coal of fire And when I tramped it, and I had to put my foot in the flame in my sleep. Ugh. They bound themselves closed, rocked to and fro, and then were asleep. Lewis Wessel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No dream. Annie got killed. Like I dream I had a dream I was gonna have a splitting headache. <laughs> it came so. true. It is it is hard to wrap your mind around it. It the, really the is the brutality hard. And, yeah. and you know, yeah, it's it's we don't know what that's like. We have no concept. And I think that's, I think, I think in societies like ours, that's one of the things that makes it so tough for soldiers to come home mm-hmm. is that it's so vastly different. The lines are so blurred in a time of mm-hmm. crisis like that. And then to come home and ha- to try to live a completely different life, it's got to, it's got to really mess with your psyche. Yeah. Zach, tell us about PTSD. So Zach gave me a description of PTSD on the on, on our interview, and I wasn't able to include the whole thing. Like, yeah. what, what so, would be the some of the ways that you would get that? So PTSD would be uh, when you go through basically a life threatening circumstance, right? Your body, like you, you you go through some kind of life threatening circumstance, some kind of trauma. Uh, so you know, it could be wartime stuff. It can be like a car accident you're in where it's, it's very traumatic. It can be abuse as a child. Uh, and and when I say life threatening, I mean that's like the technical kind of component to that. Uh, but it really any kind of tra- trauma you go through, that uh, and and basically your mind can't. It happens so fast, it's so aggressive, it's so outside of the realm of normal that your mind really can't process it. Right. So the so the the trauma just kind of gets stuck. Just kind of gets stuck. And so you'll see. So with you know, I mean, it's real common and, and very widely known now. So like when the military guys come back, you have a lot of flashbacks where they just feel like they're back in a wartime setting where, you know, maybe there's a loud noise outside and they, for 30 seconds, they go back to, mm-hmm. to some kind of wartime uh, scenario. Uh, you have, I mean, I've had clients that have had hallucinations due to it. Uh, they Especially like childhood chronic trauma, right? When I say chronic uh, or complex. So when I say chronic, I mean over a long period of time. So like multiple traumas over a long period of time or complex, meaning like different types, mm-hmm. right? So you had maybe a, you know, multiple types of abuse by different people and this mm-hmm. kind of that kind of compounded on itself. Uh, so, you know, it ruins lives. It ruins lives. And it's really uh, those with complex, uh, complex trauma uh, and chronic trauma. I mean, it is a lifelong battle that they're battling through that. You'll see and I've seen hallucinations. You see a lot of depression, a ton of anxiety. That's why when you look at Lewis Wetzel, like the fact that he isolated himself so much, like was, that very well could have been a symptom of the PTSD. Uh, now, I can't say that for sure because it could be other things as well. Yeah. But so that would be something I would be looking at, right? Uh, it's like when you get kind of the image of the war, uh, the war hero who comes back and wants to go live off, you know, 
in a cabin in the middle of the woods and not, mm-hmm. not know anybody because his, I mean, that trauma just gets stuck inside you. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, and it, and it, and it's hard to get out. It's hard to get out. How do you treat it? That's what I was going to ask. Are there effective ways of... Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, um, lots of different opinions and thoughts on that kind right. of stuff. Uh, medications oftentimes are involved to manage symptoms like the depression, the anxiety, those kind of things. Uh, depending. So if somebody comes into my office and, they, and they've got some trauma, so what I'm going to look at is, you know, first you want to assess it, right? Are we dealing with super complex, pretty simple trauma? What are we looking at? Uh, and then from there... Uh, I want to assess their capacity to uh, to kind of because we really have to. You have to. Uh, I mean, you've got to process it and you've got to get it out, mm-hmm. right? Like the, you have to find a way to. Uh, so uh, I will use journaling a lot with people. We'll go back through and journal. Good luck doing that with Lewis Wetzel. Lewis Wetzel, he couldn't read. We'd have to talk it out with him. So uh, and and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the pace we have to go at, and and you, you want to get it. So we're going to go back and reprocess it. Uh, oftentimes you can't, you have to be really careful with that because you can't re-traumatize people. Uh, so often, so, you know, you'll hear that all the time that, you know, my wife tells me I need to talk about it. I was like, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Let's figure this out first. Or maybe we need to go to, at a, at a, at a uh, slower pace than what you might go. Uh, and so you're going to, I'm probably giving you too much of an answer than you want. Mm. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> you, good. you can I'm cut intrigued. it all out. You mm. can cut it all out. Uh, but basically you're going to go back and reprocess it. Uh, slowly and at, a, and, a, and at an effective pace, you're going to teach them to handle it. The, uh, that trauma also defines you, right? So, like, it tells you things. So, if you're, you know, if, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, it tells you, like, so with Lewis Wetzel, you would go back and be like, hey, your dad lied to you. And, you know, Native Americans aren't all bad, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And so, it's because that's, that habit has been just ingrained inside of his mind. You have so to go back and fix it right where it got broke. Yep. So you can go back and fix the trauma, but you still got all the bad habits. You still mm-hmm. got all the behavioral things that you've dealt with over the years. And so you have to, you have to process through the trauma. There's different ways of doing that. Then uh, you've got to deal with the, the poor definers and bad habits and all the things that they've built up over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got to point them forward. There has to be forward movement. So, you can never just stay too much in the past. You never want to dwell on the past. You want to deal with it and move on. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and so you want to, you know, if you had Wetzel in the office, you deal with the trauma, you help him think differently about all the things that trauma created inside of him. Who knows what it created inside of him? Have you and, ever actually thought about literally sitting with Lewis Wetzel, like the Lewis Wetzel in front of you and what you would do, what would you say to him? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I do it every day, Clay. <laughs> no, but I mean, think about the actual, I mean, a guy that literally had done this and was this hardened and was this like. Yeah. I mean, I've dealt with people that have done things like that before. I mean, you just talk to them like a human being, you know, bring them, you bring them in their office and you talk to them. What have you seen, brother? What have you, I mean, you just talk to them. I mean, you just talk to them just like a human, they're a human, at the core, they're a human being, right? Uh, they've been through a lot of crap. Uh, and I've never That's met really a really stiff language for the Barry's podcast. <laughs> I've never oh, been, sorry, kids. I've never met a human being that didn't want to get better. You know? Really? And on, on, you think Lewis Wetzel would have wanted to have gotten better? Well, there might be a selection factor here. People are walking into Zach's office. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of it. But I mean, if he, if he, now he might not have wanted to stop killing Native Americans. Do you think he felt? But he wanted to stop the, the, the pain that he was in. 
He was mm. not a healthy human being. Okay. Yeah, that's so an interesting you think he distinction. Recognize that. Well, I mean, he would have known he's in pain. He would not know that there's something we could do about it. And he might, and, and to him, so the killing was a was a was a symptom of the pain. Well, I mean, that's a you, bad habit, is what Zach. Yeah, describing. I would say the more so. Habit. Yeah, trauma induced behavior, like the lightest right? possible way to ever. You know, yeah. cal- so I mean, it wasn't like it, he was just this happy, happy guy. I would just, guess. I mean, he lives by himself. He doesn't have any friends. He's he's, he's totally isolated. Messed up. I mean, guy. he's a messed up dude. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. a messed. I'm not up arguing with it. I'm just I'm just trying in, to say what what can we infer? Now that's assuming that you know we're making a ton of assumptions, but that would be my first go to, right? Mm-hmm. So he's in pain, and he does it. And be, and sometimes you get so used to the pain you don't even know it's there, right? Yeah, and so like he wouldn't it's, know anything but a war zone. It's and so death. much part of who he is that he probably can't separate it. Would be my guess. Yeah, right. And so if somebody like that comes in and wants to work, yeah, absolutely, you, you could you could do some stuff with that. Now, the the challenge is, would he want to work? All those kind of things. Yeah. So those would be my musings on it. Did you guys? Here at the end of the podcast, that they exhumed his grave in yeah. 1948 or not, if, if, 42. I think 42. that's part of what's kind of crazy to me is that in recent history, people are yeah treating him like he's a hero. Yeah. I think that was the listening to it. That was okay. So you could say this is a different time and murder was much more common. Killing was is a war zone. You could say all that, but it's like 1942. People exhumed his grave to treat him like. I mean, a there hero. are people alive today that were alive in 1942. I know that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, exactly. Like, that's wild. That yeah. is wild. Yeah, yeah and wild. I, I, I was, I was completely guessing. I wasn't able to go back to like, I couldn't find, you know, like who, who decided to drive to Mississippi yeah. and get the, whatever kind of red tape they had in 1942. Maybe it wasn't much, to what? exhume the grave of Lewis Wetzel, carry him back to McCreary County, West Virginia, and rebury him. And, you know, they don't even know for sure that it was him that they actually brought back, but they, they said it was. Didn't they Didn't say, they say it a long hair? Well, they did. They did. But they I just, it's, it's also, it's not like that's in some government document or something that it's just tradition. Might yeah. have been Larry Wetzel, and they got the wrong grade. Oh, no. <laughs> Who also happened to have Gale, Crystal Gale's length hair. <laughs> yeah. If it does the hair last for, that's that's what I thought too. I'm just saying, especially in a in probably the kind of casket. It's a self self serving like the guy who dug him up and moved him all the way to West Virginia and buried him gave the account. So it's like kind of self self interest. You're not going to be like, I have no idea if it was the guy. You know, all these stories may be made up. Lewis Wetzel might have been the nicest guy in the world. He might not have even <laughs> and existed. Nev- never even it hurt anybody. He's a prank def- by his brother. Defending. His brother just shared all these stories about him. Well, that's <laughs> that's what is so hard about telling any of these stories. So when I was doing the, the stories on, uh, well, j- just in all the stories that I tell, you often interview multiple people to tell one story right. and oh i mean it, even dad and i you know dad since mid 70s and now i'm you know 40 something and we tell stories different now that happened to us at the same time in the same place like the <laughs> two of you tell different yeah, versions like he of says, the same story he it, says no it didn't happen like that and i'm like it happened like that dad that's the way it happened who's and right he's like no 
Well, I mean, it has me questioning myself. Well, what I always you, say. Yep. And and just how quickly. And then this is hundreds of years ago, and it's come down through so many people who've polished the story. I mean, and and kind of maybe just told it a little different, or told it easier, or told it with a little different emphasis, or a little different narrative. And that's why I like. It's really fun when you find a really hardcore story that is just vetted from so many different places. And that's why Daniel Boone is such a cool guy because his life was incredibly well documented for the time period. Yeah. Like unbelievably well documented, which was unusual. So that's part of what makes Boone who he was is we just simply knew who he was. And we had all these different things, which like guys like Wetzel, we don't. Um Brent, why don't you uh finish this out reading the ballad of Lewis Wetzel? So this is a this is a poem by Philip somebody. The Life and Times of Lewis Wetzel. This is a poem entitled The Ballad of Lewis Wetzel by Glenn Baker. My parents came from sturdy stock. They were tall, brown, and people and merry, with the keen eyesight of the soaring hawk and lips like the red hall berry. Horny-handed folk injured to toil. They marched in the pioneer. That's what that says. <laughs> <laughs> And I could not read it fast enough, but that's what it said. Carry on. means calloused hands. Callous-handed folk, (laughs) inured to toil, they marched in the Pioneer Legion to carve a home from the virgin soil of Virginia's farthermost region. And I was born on the wilderness road in a tawny sunlit clearing. I cut my teeth on oxen goad and had a backwoods rearing. And I remember the cabin there in the clearing on the big wheeling, the coarse but wholesome pioneer fare, and the herbs that hung from the ceiling. (laughs) 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 I keep waiting for this, and Merry Christmas to all and all a good night. (laughs) In childhood years when days were long and the first spring winds were blowing, my mother humming an old Welsh song and my father bent to his hoeing. And then one day the Indians came, and with their inhuman yells and laughter, and our cabin blazed with rifle flame, and smoke went to the rafters. But the walls were staunch, and the red men fled, and the days flowed on as before, till I grew too tall for a trundle bed, and I slept on the punching floor. And so I came to my tall manhood with a woodman's knowledge and daring, and so with a rifle for livelihood. I started my forest faring. And once I was turned the homeward way across the trail of some savages and hurried on through the dying day, sensing a scene of red savages. And when I came to the clearing there, when the path of maize was greening, I saw my mother tearing her hair and walking the woods with her keening. And my father's form so still and cold with the riven skull that was hairless and all that remained of a loved household, shattered by red hands and careless. And over the grave we dug that night in the raw, rich frontier clay, I swore an oath to harry and blight the red race by night and day. I swore it there as the forest gloomed, forbidding and dark in its silence, a savage oath that forever doomed us all to a life of violence. And many a red brave homeward bound from the latest scene of his pillage, 
heard in the forest a moaning sound and died within sight of his village. And there's more. <laughs> For thus I played on the red man's fear as I blew through my rifle bore, warning him with his end was near with the death wind of border lore. And down the years I kept my vow till the red tribes westward turning, left this valley to settler and plow in freedom from pillage and burning. And time rolled on and my breath was stilled and they laid me away to the long rest. But even in death my spirit willed to continue on with the long quest. So still I follow the trail of braves and wraith-like still I go stealing over the hands the Ohio laves in the Cincinnati to the big wheeling. And on autumn nights when the dark winds carol and thunderstorms roll and rally, you can hear me blow through my rifle barrel the length of the Ohio Valley. Mm. Thus say Lewis Wetzel. Pretty dark. What do you think, Misty? It's just weird to hear something that dark rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> now when, when, was the, when was that written? I don't know. I couldn't find when it was written. I'm sorry, but it, it it feels like like a Christmas story that you would read to your kids, yeah. especially with Brent's voice on it. I can't wait and for I, that. And it's like this is really the worst thing I've ever. I tore up. I and my sash. It just, it just described the time. I mean, the, the the that that's and that's the whole point. I think of this is to me, or just kind of like the takeaway is just like it was, it was a war zone. And the, it's interesting to feel like that could be normal to just have in your sights a race of people to just <coughs> annihilate. But I mean, and, and you know, and they and and he told why they were mad at him. I mean, they they burned mm -hmm. his cabin and they killed, killed his, his dad. I mean, you think about it, it, it really is a singular perspective because right. you think about it from the perspective of a Native American, exactly. People and you know coming in and and. Killing people and taking people and taking your things, of course you're going to retaliate. Yeah, you know. So it's it's uh man, it's hard when when the the perspectives are so so uh, spread apart and there's there's a no opportunity for really mm -hmm. uh, humans mess things up. I mean, yeah. that's one thing you can look at the earth and realize that humans mess things up. Yeah, and uh, you know, but the the redemption is is that. All it takes for things to get right is for people to start making one right decision after another. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the that's the that's the the golden ticket that we have as humans is we get to decide how we how we forecast our life in terms of the way that we think about other people and and you know th th these kind of stories too give me empathy for people that I know live in a completely different philosophical place or have a different worldview because you can see i mean i don't want to we know which side was really in the wrong in the macro picture i mean just the side that was committing genocide and pushing right. the people out of their ancestral lands like that's not up for debate but at the same time you see why these people love lewis wetzel it's like they're they were they were in a war zone and their enemy he protected them from them but you go to the other side and you see these the Native Americans' perspective of you know these people came in and were taking our land and we had no choice and we had to fight, and basically you just see that your perspective is not the only one. Yep. Lewis, Lewis yeah. Wetzel was taken 
one thing off of the list that was out to hurt those folks. You know, they were, it was a big enough struggle just finding something to eat, mm-hmm. raise your kids, you know, up to where they would live, where they could help that they, they had to look up to that guy or they, you see the reason why they did yeah because he was taking one, one fear away from, them, you know, something that they could, they could check the box off and say, okay, we don't have to worry about that today because Lewis is making the rounds out there. We can, we can focus on trying to get this corn to grow, which was something mentioned about corn in that poem I just yeah. read. So, I mean, you see it, Debbie. It doesn't make it right, but you see where those folks, they were in that space at that time, and that was something that they had to worry about, and he was alleviating some of that pain. You know, uh, listening to Brenton talk, it makes me think about, you know, our society these the, these days is so polarized, and you've the older I get, the more I recognize that the answer is not found in the extremes. Yeah. Right. You know what so I mean? True. The answer is found in the principle of things. Not in, I mean, Lewis Wetzel was extreme. He yeah. saw this thing that he perceived as a threat, as a something that needed to be annihilated, and he went hardcore extreme. And, uh, and then you have, I'm sure you had people on, on the Native American side that's like, let's wipe all these white men out because they're destroying our lands. And the answer is not found in the extremes. Yep. Well, thanks for coming, Zach. Yeah, it was fun. Appreciate it. Thanks so for having will me. you be giving us written diagnoses of all Absolutely. our problems? Will you diagnose Brent Every, uh, just well, real quick? You guys will all be getting a bill in the mail, <laughs> first of all. Uh, pay that promptly. Yep. And the, the diagnosis Venmo. will be coming shortly. What do you think about Zach Isaac's Nichols. tattoos? What's that tell you about a man? Isaac Neal's covered I, in I'm tattoos. I'm just insecure. <laughs> I'm just noticing. <laughs> really secure with his legs. <laughs> he does like show a lot of leg. I'm going to say the lack of color. Oh, is what I would ask him He's about. monochromatic. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't have any color tattoos. No it's color all black tattoos. Ink. They're all black ink. Yeah, uh, that's cool. I want you I'm to not ask saying him cool about or not cool. I'm just asking him about it. the most fascinating part of Isaac's tattoos is how much forethought he put into them. Okay. Some of them a lot. Some, some, of, some them, of them. None. I like them. Well, some <laughs> of them, yeah. <laughs> I saw that in a book and thought it looked cool. <laughs> Are you going to get a tattoo of me on your, on your, on somewhere? Are you finding it? Sure. Yes. <laughs> I get to pick the spot. Don't, don't, don't do this, Isaac. This is bad. Look, you could put that picture of me shooting that bear. Oh. See that picture in that nice picture? Yeah. No, I like the one with your uh, yeah kid on your back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't want you to put my kid on, tattooed on That'd you. That'd be though. creepy. I'll blur out the face. <laughs> you could put those little stickers. Those yeah. little Pixelated face. Uh, yeah. Tattoo, I like it. It would be cool uh, to have a Brent tattoo, though. Uh, Who doesn't have one? I want well, a life-size you need a Brent tattoo sticker. of Brent only face. bigger. Smile. Yeah. We're working on it. Yeah, that'd yeah. be good. <laughs> well, all right. Excellent, guys. Well, the next Bear Greases are going to be different than this one. Hopefully so a little death, more. The Death Wind. We're real. pulling ourselves out of the arc of darkness. Oh, good. I thought, bringing it back I thought up. it was really poetic how you said that at the end, by the way. Yeah, there were a couple points in this in this podcast that I had I had thoughts about, but... What did I say? Yeah, you, you just talked about coming out of the arc of darkness. And it, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Rogers. I'm looking yeah. forward to that podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Mr. Rogers podcast. Thanks, guys. Keep the wild places wild. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to. 
You should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.